Thank you very much, special. And uh, Sir Greg, thank you very much. And uh, once again, good morning to all of us. And uh, please make a wave to those who are around us. We're happy in the Lord really this morning. We enjoyed the specials. We keep singing in our hearts. Amen. And uh, before we open the Bible, we need to pray for comfort for the Simaringa family in the uh, homegoing of their father, Mr. Cesar Tic-Tic. He's the father of brother of Mam Mam Abba Simaringa. We had his burial last last Friday. Also, we need to include in prayer the Lumakang and uh, Al Cordo family uh, for the death of Mam Abilin Al Cordo. This is the mother Brisa Lumakang. She died last uh, Wednesday. And there will be a funeral service on uh, probably 3.30 sa St. Peter um, this coming Tuesday. So if you, if you are close to the family, uh, please do include them in your prayers. And of course, uh, uh, they always impose limitation as far as the number of attenders are concerned. When we buried Mr. Tic-Tic, they only allowed 10 people to uh, go inside the uh, cemetery. So, very limited. So continue to, anyhow, let's continue to pray for comfort. And God's people say, Amen. Your Bible, please, this morning, if you would kindly open the Word of God in the book of Second Peter, chapter 2. We're looking at verse number 9 for our text. Uh, am I coming clear at the back? Can you, can you hear me uh, at the back? <clears throat> Second Peter 2, verse number 9. Share your Bible, please. Second Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse number 9 in your, in your Bible this morning. Second Peter 2, verse number 9. Kindly rise as we give reverence to the Word of God. In the book of Second Peter, can you please uh, low, uh, uh, make it higher pa ang volume sa microphone kung napay, napay pwede pa nga di mag-feedback para ma... I don't have that way. I don't have to really shout. And uh, verse number 9, 2 Peter 2, verse 9. Um, the Lord knoweth how, thank God for that, He knows how, to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. I like that. The Lord knows, He knoweth how to deliver how to deliver 
the godly out of temptations. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you for the opportunity today of preaching the word of God. The opportunity to hear, to learn. And this is the time that we allow the word of God to come into our system. We allow the Holy Spirit to feed us through the preaching of the word of God today. Thank you for giving us the scripture, the Bible. And uh, we learned a lot during our Sunday school lesson about the importance of the Word of God in our lives. And Lord, I pray this morning that you meet our spiritual needs individually, that none of us will go home with an empty heart, but allow us to be fed, be filled with the knowledge of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Kindly be seated this time. I'm speaking a subject, the Lord's entitled, The Lord's Perfect Knowledge is the Foundation of Our Safety. The fact that the Lord knows everything about us, the fact that the Lord is all-knowing, that alone can be considered as a solid foundation of our safety. Does the Lord know that we are going through pandemic? Of course, yes. The fact that the Lord knows what we are going through is safety enough for us as God's people. The Lord's perfect knowledge is, our, is the foundation of our safety. The Lord knoweth how, the Bible says. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the ungodly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. I like that. The Lord knows how. The Lord knows how, and we say amen to that. Now, we can take great confidence in this. You know, many times you do not know how, but the Lord knows it. The Lord knows. Amen. There are so many times that we say we, are, we don't know. I don't know, but the fact remains the Lord knows. The Lord knows, though we know not. We rejoice that He knows. He knows in Psalm 139, verses 1 to 12. Time will not permit us to read all of these verses. But in the book of Psalm 139, Please, in your Bible this morning, let us begin reading verse number 1. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verses number 1 to verse number 12. Psalm 139 and verse number 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me, and thank God known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path, my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. And I like that. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Yes, thank God. We find here in Psalm 139... 
the omniscience of God. And God is all-knowing. And, uh, and, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. You see, child of God, first of all, God knows and understands you. And we say amen to that. God knows our hidden strength. He knows our abilities. God knows our human frailties. He knows our weaknesses. In Psalm 103 verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth, thank God for that, he knows our frame. He remembereth them as we are dust. He knows our strength. He knows our capability. He knows our limitation. God knows how to protect and how to care for you and me. God knows even the future. In our text, the Apostle Peter calls our attention to God's knowledge. And uh, he wants us to feel quite safe as to the government of the universe. Realizing that it is in the hands of the all-knowing Lord God. Who knows and uh, on the one hand uh, knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. And on the other hand, he knows how to reserve the unjust unto the day of punishment. There are a few thoughts that I'd like to share on this message this morning. Number one, the Lord knoweth exactly the depths of the commitment of his people. He knows how committed you are. He knows how, how strong is that commitment. In the book of Job 23 verse number 10. Number one, remember that. The Lord knows exactly the depths of the commitment of his people. He knows whether you are truly committed to God. Job, during the time of his trial, in Job 23, verse number 10, you know what Job says, 2,000 years before Christ, and he knoweth the way that I take. Look at that. While Job was going through severe pain in his life, he's going through sorrow and, and painful experience of his life. The loss of his children, the loss of his wealth, the loss of his health. Now in the midst of this, Job says, But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The Lord knows exactly what you're going through in life. And we say amen to that. When you're in a terrible trial, these words of Job are like, a balm of healing to a wounded soul. It reminds us of God's intimate knowledge of us. His love. His infinite care over our lives. The Lord knows, he says. He knoweth the way that I take. By the way, he knoweth the way that I, I take. You see the commitment of Job there. It was not something that somebody pushed him into. No. It was something that he chose to do. The Lord knoweth the way that I. God didn't push me into it. Wala ko give, 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 give. Tulak lang sa ginawin. And that is why I'm here. No. Job says, 
I chose it. Willingly. With all of my heart. Freely. I accept it. He knoweth the way that I have chosen to take. What way? The way of faith. Amen. If you are to describe the way that Job took, it was way, the way of faith. In Job 13, verse number 15, though he slay me, can you imagine? Though he kills me, though he slay me, yet I will, yet <coughs> will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own. Look at this. Mine own way. Give me one word to describe that. Commitment. He was committed to it. Amen. The Lord know the way that I, he says, take. And then he says, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. I will maintain mine own way. Talks about his commitment before him. He sees me, Job says. He understands me. And whatever happens, I know he will only allow it. Whatever happens, he allows only for his glory. Allows it for his glory and for my good. This is the Romans 8.28 in the Old Testament. The Romans 8.28. Though he slay me. I spent time meditating on that verse yesterday. Though he slay me, maski pa ako iyang pagapatyon. Can you imagine? Now, for me, I, I, I came into conclusion. For me, it was Job's way of expressing the idea, the wrong ideas of his friends. They have been accusing Job. Now, this happens to you, Job, because now, most likely, and they were accusing Job of many things that they did not know. They were accusing Job of having committed sin and as a result, he was going through this pain in his life. Let us go back to Job, please. In the book of Job, chapter 14, look at verse number 1. In the book of Job, chapter 14, verse 1. And there he says, in, in, let us begin in Job. Um, Job, uh, he says there in verse number 13, I mean verse number 1. Lo, mine eye hath seen all this, mine ear hath heard and understood it, that ye know the same do I know also. Uh, I am not inferior to you. Now, you know what happened there? You know what happened there? So, Job um, rebuked them for, uh, from verse 1 to verse number 4, for acting like, they knew everything and Job lacks understanding. They were, they were blaming Job and putting, you know, uh, seams on Job as if they, they exactly knew God and they knew everything. That they were superior in knowledge and Job lacks wisdom. Job actually told them that he wasn't expecting to find the answer from any of them. Look at verse number 1 to verse 3. Now let me say you, let me tell you, I can almost hear Job. Uh, there are so many things I do not know, <clears throat> but the Lord knows. There are many things that I do not know. You're telling me that I lack knowledge. I do not know this and that. 
and you pretend to be knowing everything, yes, I have to accept the fact that there are many things that I may not be able to know, but one thing I know, the Lord knows everything. The Lord knows everything. And I desire to reason with God. In chapter 13, look at verse number 3. Surely I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to reason with Him. I, I go to God. Why? Because I know He knows everything. And uh, you see, in verse 4 to verse number 8, you have, Job was saying, you have no right to accuse me, to judge me, and, uh, and uh, uh, look at this, and uh, if I go to you, all you can do is to make suppositions, making conclusions which you do not know. The Lord knows. And let us read verse number 4, please. And, but ye are forgers of lies. Okay? These were his friends. Your forgers of lies, you all positions of no value. Or that you would altogether hold your peace, and it should be your wisdom. Hear my reasoning and hearken to the pleadings of my lips. Will we speak wickedly for God and talk deceitfully for Him? And look at this, please. And verse number, uh, verse number 13, hold your peace, he says. Hold your peace. Let me alone that I may speak and let come, uh, uh, and let come on me that will. Though, he says there, verse 14, wherefore I, I take my flesh in my feet and then look at this place. Though he slay me, though he slay me, who, he was just expressing the wrong supposition of his friends. And uh, uh, you know what Job says? Um, very likely his friends may have thought that God was going to kill Job. That Job is going to die. You know what he says? Granting that God will kill me. Just for the sake of satisfying your wrong assumption on my case, he says. What then? And uh, you are you're telling me, God will judge me? And then said, as a child of God, what then? If I die in the process, then so be it. There is no problem about that. For the true child of God, remember this, if you're a true child of God, death is but a gain. It's not a loss. As Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know what he says in Job 19.25-27? For I know, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Job uttered these words 2,000 years before Christ was even born. But I know, he says, that my Redeemer liveth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Whom shall I see for myself? And not, and mine eyes shall behold. Yes, worms may be able to destroy my body. But God has prepared for me a new body in heaven. And I will be seeing God. And whom shall I see for myself? And mine eyes shall behold, and not another. Though my reins 
destroy everything inside of me, be consumed within me. What then if I die? Though he kill me, though he slay me, according to your conclusion. What if he kills me? No problem about that because Romans 8, 35 to 39, death only brings us right into the presence of God. No death, no, no any other circumstance can, can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. God knows how deep the level is the level of your commitment to him. The Lord knoweth the way that I take. Number two, God was aware of Job's solid commitment. He was aware of his solid commitment. In Job 23 verse 10, but, but he says, he knoweth the way that I take. He knoweth the way that I take as a result because God knows God has sustained this life of faith. Now remember this. <clears throat> now this is principle we need to <clears throat> understand in this message. God kept him and God, God sustained him. God has sustained this life of faith until he finally surpassed all his trials. This is something that I would like to implant in your mind today to the preaching of God's word that God, listen to this, God deals with us based on our commitment. Kung unsa kalawang imong commitment, musalo manginose mo and Job was committed. And as a result, because of his solid commitment, God brought him through. God, now God guided him through until, listen to this, Job surpassed all the trials that he had in life. God will not leave you in the middle of your confusion. God will not leave you in the middle of your faith. God will see you through. Thank God, because he knows the level of your commitment. He knows the level of your commitment. Look at that. Now, uh, remember this. Let me say this again. Let me emphasize it again. In Job 42 verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. When he prayed for his friends. And also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now, what's the lesson you learned there from Job? God deals with us. According to the level of our commitment. According to the level of your commitment. And unsa kalaom ang gusto nimo nga salumon para sa ginoo, God will go with you. God, you will prove God's faithfulness too. Number two, the Lord knows exactly your level of commitment and will always reward you accordingly. Or appropriately. Kung ang imong level sa imong, imong commitment ingana kataas, God's reward will be appropriate to your commitment. God will reward you <clears throat> according to your commitment. The Bible says in, 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 in Revelation 22 verse number 13, And behold, I come quickly, Jesus said, and my reward is with me. My reward is with me. To give every man, yes, 
Yes, he's going back and he has reward. Para sa tanan. Thank God! Thank God he's coming back and he has reward for me, for you, and for me. For dunay diferencia. Because the reward that you receive will be based on your commitment. Look at this. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man. Don't stop there. According as his word shall be. What do you see there? Your commitment. Your commitment. It will be based on, on your commitment. Now, number one, the reward would always go beyond what you normally expect. And you will be surprised in your commitment. God will reward you beyond what is normally expected. The reward is always amazing. The reward would always involve God's amazing power. You will be surprised. commitment, God takes note of that. Job says, the Lord knows, the Lord knoweth the way that I take. If you are committed, look at this please. In, in, in uh, the book of Daniel chapter 3, we have a commitment made by the three Hebrew men. Their commitment was, was great. And being young men, they could have easily be, pre- be tempted to give up. But the Lord knows how to deliver the godly. Out of temptation. Remember that. They made a commitment in chapter 3 verse number 13. Of Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 13. It says there, Daniel 3 and verse number 13. And then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury. Commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And he inquired to those three men. He said, is it true that when you hear the, the music that you... Refused to bow down before my statue. Yes. He said, sir, we want you to know that we have made a commitment. We have made a decision. That no matter what, we will not bow down before your statue. We will, we believe God will, if he, if he will allow us to be burned, so be it. We are committed to our God. To make the story short, he ordered his men they took hold of these three men and they, they threw those three men into the midst of the fiery furnace. And you know what? Um, as he um, looked into the midst of the fire, sometimes nagli sa dito, nakita niya na dunggan niya na nagkanta-kanta sa sulod. Some through the fire, some through the flood. Uy, namin nagkanta-kanta na ito. Abin ako, you know, expecting them to be burned into ashes quickly. In fact, the man that threw them into the fire died instantly. But he was amazed, he was surprised to see that for the first time in history, this amazing thing happened. He saw those men, and not only those three men, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was somebody going around with them. And the one looks like the Son of God. Let me tell you this. It all started with a commitment. 
And when usually when God rewards your commitment, it goes beyond what is normally expected. They expected said, yes, you may throw us there. We have made a decision. No problem about that. But we believe God. We will not. Deep inside 50-50 ilang, ilang I, I say humanly speaking, 50-50 lang chance. Pwede tamasunog, pwede pudili. No, no problem about that. But we're committed to God. But my friend, it, it went beyond the normal expectation. Why? In the midst of the fire, they walked around the fire. You know, God knows your commitment and then God rewards when He rewards your commitment. It goes beyond the normal thing that you expect to happen. Why? Because you were dealing with God. God knows your commitment. And the same thing, the same thing with Daniel. At the very beginning of their captivity, he was 17 years old. 15 years old, most likely. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered uh, the, the chief of the eunuch, he said, give, him all, give them all the wine, give him all the food, which was forbidden to the Jewish belief. Give them, let them enjoy it. At the end of three years, they will have to stand before me. He said, sir, give me at least ten days to prove myself there. Tagay lang mi gulay, kanang batong lang amuha, kanang lawi lang amuha. Ayaw nang wine na gininom sa hari. And we believe that. And then after ten days, they have proven Daniel to be strong. Energetic man at the end of three years. All the observers of Babylon were surprised by the wisdom and the strength God gave them. When God rewards, God knows your commitment. And when He usually rewards you, it goes beyond what is expected. Make a commitment, young people, and you will be surprised how the Lord will reward you. How the Lord can prosper you. How the Lord can preserve you. Because we're dealing with a God who does the impossible things for us. Amazing. The Lord did not preserve them just because of who they were. The Lord preserved them based on their commitment. The Lord knows exactly your level of commitment and will always reward you, remember this, accordingly. And even surpasses than what you have done. Number two, the level of your commitment will be remembered forever. Will be remembered forever. In Matthew 26, verse number 6, talking about Mary, who poured ointment into Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus Christ said? They were complaining what waste, what a great is, waste is this. We could, we could have sold this and, and the amount can be given to the poor. And Jesus responded in Matthew 26, verse number 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and put it upon his head as he sat at me. When his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this ways? My friend, spending for Jesus, serving Jesus is never a waste. It is never a waste of time. It is never a waste of energy. It is never a waste of money. What purpose is this waste? 
But this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble this woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For you have the poor always with you. This is a bad news to the commission of the poor. This is a bad news to the uh, DSWD. Jesus says, For you have the poor always with you. Always. And look at this please. And, and verse number 13. Very reassent to you. What, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial. What does it mean? You know, the level of your commitment, the level of your commitment will be remembered forever. We still remember what, what, what commitment Daniel made. We still love that song. Si Daniel Y. Kahad Lok Salangub Namayleon. And the why? Why do we sing it? Why? We remember the commitment. Number one, the reward would go beyond what normally, uh, what you normally expect. Number two, the level of your commitment will be remembered forever. It will be remembered forever. And so remember the, the commitment. Made by David, for example. The Bible says in Acts 13.22. When he, Acts 13.22. When he removed him, he raised up, referring to King Saul. When he removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse. Underline this, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Remember that. The reward normally will go beyond what is expected. Remember that it will be remembered forever, forever. Because of the commitment David made to his God, as a result, just to name a few, God built a city. He named it after, in honor to David, the city of Jerusalem. The city of David. Jerusalem will be saved for the sake of David. It will be, it will be saved during the tribulation period. The Antichrist will, will unite all the forces of the world and they will try to Captured the city of Jerusalem. But Jesus Christ is coming back with his army with him. To save Jerusalem for David's sake. Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be the capital city during the millennial reign of Christ. It will not be New York. It will not be Manila. It will not be Tokyo. The capital city of the world for 1,000 years during the reign is Jerusalem. It's the capital city of the world. The head of the nations and the cities of the nations of the world will be Jerusalem for the sake of David. Your commitment will be remembered forever. And usually it will go beyond what is expected. 
That is why we have to treasure our commitment to God. When you are committed to serve God, remember this. God means business with you. God's faithfulness will go with your commitment. The Lord will deal with you according to his commitment. And not only that, heaven's capital city is new what? Jerusalem. New Jerusalem in honor to David. By the way, many Bible scholars believe, and I'm one of them. I'm not the Bible scholar, but I believe one. Bible scholars believe that David will reign literally in Jerusalem during the millennium. Christ will reign all over the world. Let us look at the 12 apostles, their commitment. There are only 12 apostles. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. And because of their commitment, look at this, it will be remembered forever. We live in heaven someday, forever and forever. But Revelation 21, look at verse 10 to 14, please. Revelation 21, And he carried me away in the spirit to the great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto stone, most precious, even like jasper stone, diamond, diamond, clear as crystal. And the wall, and had the wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and the gates twelve angels, and the names therein, names written therein, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, and verse 14, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Bartholome, Nathaniel, Amos, Simon Peter. The foundation is visible. Usually, you look at the building, the foundation is hidden. But the foundation of the walls made of pure precious stones. The foundations, twelve foundations are named after. We go around heaven and enjoy that wonderful great city of God. We see the foundation. We see the name of, 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 of Simon Peter. We see the name of Nathaniel. We see the name of Philip. We see the name of John. We see the name of James. What does it re represent? What does it tell us? You see the name there in that foundation. Nagasidlak nga klasiklasing bulawan. You see the name Simon Peter. What does it imply? Commitment. Because of their commitment, they gave their lives for the cause of Christ and God treasured their commitment as a result. Throughout eternity, we will see God's reward. And let me say this, when God rewards our commitment, it usually goes beyond what is expected. And it will be remembered. It will be remembered. Forever. How does the Lord deliver his people? How does he deliver his people? Few things that I'd like to share with you. Number one, he delivers his people 
by giving them peace, giving them assurance, giving them wisdom in dealing with every situation. In Acts 23, look at verse 10 to 14, we have Paul. At the beginning, Paul, you know, you know his heart. You know his desire. Ang pinaka, pinaka uyukang bahin sa kasing-kasing ni Paul was to see that the Jews will get saved. That he will be given the opportunity to preach the gospel to his own people. Especially his own uh, the companions before being a Pharisee. Nakita niya to mga Pharisees narito. And now given the chance that I will be given the chance to, to preach the gospel to them. In Acts 23, in your Bible, please, let us look at verse number 10, Acts 23, and verse number 10. And when there rose great dissension, so no, it divided those religious people. And you know what? There was a great trouble, the greatest in the book of Acts, na kaguliang, the chief captain of the Romans army, fearing lest Paul should be should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force among them and bring them into the castle. At first he was he was thinking that I will be able to deliver the message. Pero nagkagubot og maayo. Usadri na inagbugunit sa tamot ni Paul nadri na sa til inigbira nila. You know what the Bible says? Lest they pull them into pieces. Na imugunit diri. Murag itong ambasador si gunit diri. Na pimugunit diri. Na imugunit diri. And, uh, and, and the moment inagbirahon si Paul, sinsinil si Paul. And so, the captain, the Roman captain decided to send, to send uh, his forces. Ilang gikuha si Paul, gisalvage sila si Paul. Kaya tinood niya, meaning sa salvage, dito salvage ang yana. They salvage Paul, they, then they put him into prison. The night following the Lord stood by him and said, Paul, be of good cheer. Paul, thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, thou must bear witness also in Rome. And we say that this had to be one of the darkest hours in Paul's life. His life long ambition was to preach the gospel to the Jews. Actually, this time has ended in utter chaos. He did not convince his former cohorts, katumanga parishes, to become believers as he had hoped and was certain that he could do. He was almost certain he could do it. Contrarywise, they are so mad against Paul that 40 of them took, they took an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. Can you imagine? Until Paul. And the chief captain of the Roman guard had to send his troops to rescue Paul. And uh, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them. You know what? As he sat down, contemplating what had happened, we said the future is very uncertain at this point. 
I have ended my ministry defeated. He's spending his second night, according to verse number 11, there in prison. What will happen next? Nobody knows. He's no doubt. At this very time, Paul was tempted to become discouraged and depressed. He's probably feeling like a great failure as a ministry. How about, how, what is going to, how about me going to the Gentiles? Well, it might be the end of my ministry. But the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Paul was tempted to despair. The Lord gave Paul assurance. The Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul. This means Paul was in, indeed downhearted, down in spirit. But Jesus opened, we find in the Bible, Jesus opened, spoke words of encouragement saying, be of good cheer, take courage. That the sick man of the palsy brought to Jesus by his friends who had to uncover the roof and then, and then lowered him right where Jesus was. He looked at Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, Young man, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins, thank God, he comes to us, your sins are forgiven. To the frightened disciples when they came walking, when Jesus Christ came walking on them on the water, and they thought they had, they had have overcome the world. How does Jesus Christ deliver his people? Number one, by giving them peace. By giving them assurance. By giving them wisdom in dealing with every situation. Number two, how does he, how does he save these people or deliver his people? By directly revealing himself to them. Paul was in a shipwreck in Acts 27. And surely all hope, humanly speaking, that we should be saved according to Dr. Luke was then taken away. You know, Paul stood up and said, Be of good cheer, brethren. Man, sirs, he said, For there stood by me this night the angel of God. And I believe it is no other than Jesus. Saying, Paul, fear not Paul, verse 24. Wherefore he said in verse 25, Sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. And it shall be even as it was told me. Let me say this, the greatest comfort we have, we find in times of trials is the word of God. The greatest comfort we find in, the, in, in times of, of greatest trials in life is the presence of the Lord. Paul relates his experience in the Roman court. During my first, he said, appearance in the court of law. And he said, nobody stood with me. At, at first, when they heard Paul was facing the charge of arson, thousands of people died that night. While Sinero, Moy Nagsunog, Nagakantakanta Sayang, Katoyang instrument. And people in the city of Rome, many of them by thousands and hundreds died. And he then charged the crime to Paul. And said, Paul, ubang mga Christians, said, Paul, we will pray for you. In fact, ubanan ka na mo, 
But during the day of trial, nobody showed up. He was alone there. At my first answer, Paul says, no, but no one stood by me. But nevertheless, I like that. The Lord stood by me. How does he deliver? I'm sure Paul was tempted to feel alone. Feeling neglected. I'm sure Paul has felt deserted by his friends. Lonely. I know he was confused. But he stood there. Thank God the Lord directly stood with Paul. How does he deliver his people? How does he deliver them from trials, from temptations? They, he gives them peace. He gives them comfort. He gives them wisdom. And then directly reveals himself to them. Number three. How does God deliver his people? By giving them peace. Remember that. Giving them wisdom in dealing with the situation. Number two. By revealing himself directly to them. The Lord stood by me. While he was standing before and being charged of arson. In fact he was beheaded because of that crime. The reason why he lost his head. Because of wrongfully accused. Being wrongfully accused of arson. No one was willing to stand with Paul. But God was there. Amen. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Exactly the Bible. The Lord knows exactly what you're going through. How? Number three. He delivers his people by creating circumstances or circumstances in their favor. In the very hour of trial, God knows and still in control of everything. And God creates circumstances in your favor. Time will not permit us, but you can look at the book of Esther. The book of Esther is a unique book. You do not find the name God mentioned in that book. You you do not find the word prayer is mentioned in that book. But God is there. There was a wicked man by the name of Haman. Now in the book of Esther, wicked Haman has made evil plans that would, would lead to the destruction of the Jews. He made, he orchestrated the plan that would lead into the genocide killing of all the Jews in the land. And to make the story short, while the process was going on and, and while, the, while the plan to eliminate them was going on, King Ahasuerus in chapter 6 verse 1, on that night could not the king sleep. And he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles and they were Read before the king. Tingalam malang kanga di sa katulog. Bisagun saon yag ana yam mata mo buka gid yam mata. Bisagun saon gid. And it was found written that Mordecai had told uh, the trusted one of the trusted men that and told that Big Hannah and Teres 
two of king's chamberlains, uh, the keeper of the door, who sought to lay hand on the king Azueros. It was recorded in their chronicles that there was a day in Adunay Gustum it was overheard by Mordecai, a Jewish man, and he, as a result, was able to save. And it happened quite a while ago. So it was recorded, Mr. Mordecai was able to save the king from being slaughtered. They closed the book, they forgot about it, and just so happened that Haman had told his wife, you know, I am promoted to honor. But all of these things, he said, would not, would not matter to me, has no weight at all, unless I see that wicked man, that, that Jewish man by the name of Mordecai get killed. So she suggested, so make a gallow, 50, 50 cubits, one cubit is equivalent to 18 inches. One, 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 one foot is 12 inches. One cubit is 18 inches. So 50 cubits. Taas pa sa lubi. Higda ni mang ulo dito, liog ni Mordecai, ihagbong para patay na. And so he was contemplating on that, telling the king, sa king, ihagbong na ko sa galo ng tawanan na because he was promoted to honor. And then pagbasa atong chronicle said, what has been done to this man who saved my life? And they said, wala pa sir. Ha? He saved my life and you did nothing, uh, 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 no good thing done to him? So it so happened, uh, naasa gate si Mr. Haman, telling the king to execute Mr. Mordecai in his gallow. He said, pagpindot sa doorbell, Napa may doorbell kaniyan to? Pagtingog sa doorbell and said, Come in! So happened si Mr. Haman. I call him Gahaman. He said, uh, and said, Kumusta do? And said, uh, Come in. Sa unsa may, tagay daw kong ideya do. Kanang tao bang uh, nalipay kong maayos sa yabaw, Kung sa may buhaton sa ako na ni, kanang imong ring, sir, grabe ha. Kanang imong sanina, ito imong kabayo, yun niya pinakakuyaw. Dapat pasak yun itong tawana ba? Ito. Unya, palibot-libuton sa siyudad. Mauning tao nga nikahimutan sa hari. Isa, dong, kuha atong pinaka, the best na kong arog, katong akong kabayo, Kung sing-sing, ibutang kang Mordecai. Pertin dakuha sa yung mata. In the book of Esther, remember this, because time will not permit me, it was no coincidence that Haman entered the king's court at just that moment. It was not coincidence that Haman came at that moment to ask for the execution of Mordecai. It was no coincidence that King Ahasuerus wanted to honor Mordecai just that moment. You see, if this book of Esther shows us anything, it shows us 
that God arranges the affairs of men without their knowledge. God knows what he's doing and in the courts of heaven there are no coincidences or surprises. Esther wasn't lucky to be to become the queen. Mordecai wasn't lucky to have overheard the assassination plot. It wasn't luck or chance that made Haman enter the royal courts at this time. Listen to this. All of these events were orchestrated by God and not by luck. All things work together for good to them that love God. The main truth we learn in the book of Esther is the doctrine of God's providence. And the doctrine of providence means that God works within creation to manage all things according to the immutable counsel of his own will in order that they may accomplish the ends for which they were created. The providence of God means that he not only sees whatever, whatsoever will come to pass, but that he upholds all things. He governs and directs all events in all time and in every circumstance for his own glory. All mankind is hemmed in by it. God is sovereign. Listen to this. God, only God, perfectly knows the future. And only God has the power to act upon the basis of knowledge. Yes. What does he do to deliver us? He allows things and creates circumstances in your favor. Pharaoh wanted to kill all the male child during the time of Moses. Was a kahibalo. Nasi Jacobet di man makapalit ug S26. Maski nido gani di niya maapod ug palit. Laot tayo di painom ka Moses. God orchestrated it to where that Moses was raised. Estogen, S26, ang gatas na asa palasyo. He allowed the enemy of God to raise somebody that will take the lead of his people. Now remember this, based on your commitment. When you are committed to God, God knows exactly. God meets you at the other end of your life. God knows. I have no more time. Last point na lang ni. God delivers. God deliverance is done, always done, in line of His divine purpose and will. I will hasten myself there. Israelites during the time of Moses were delivered by God. God knows how to deliver His people. 430 years have come. Yes, God's deliverance for Israel is in line with His promise to Abraham. His purpose for Israel. Because it was in line with His purpose. Not against God's purpose. 
During the time of Daniel, Shadrach, and Abednego, yes, they were thrown into the fire. What was the, the purpose? That the, the greatest monarchs on earth, Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man will realize, will see that there is a God in heaven. He saw it. Yes, God delivered those people in line with God's will and purpose. In line. God rescued Paul out of the storm. You know what God said, Paul? God rescued him out of that chaos. God, out of that confusion in Jerusalem. And in the middle of the night, God said to Paul, said, Paul, I rescued you because you still have to go to Rome. In line with God's purpose. If we are to experience divine deliverance, and these are all wonderful things happening. She said, oh pastor, I'd like to be part of that. I'd like to see myself being Mordecai, or being Paul, or being Daniel, Sadak, and Abednego. I'd like to, to experience the divine deliverance of God. Then we must find ourselves fulfilling God's purpose. We must desire to complete God's purpose. You know what? Time will not permit me now. I wish I, wish I had the time to expound it here. Pero patapos na ko. 40 years old, Caleb says, I was 40 years old when Moses sent me to one of the 12 to spy out the land. Now I am 85 years old. That means 45 years old since that day. You know what God told me? God said about me, Moses, during the division of the land. You know what kept him strong and young? He was now 85 years old. You know what kept him? And through his words to Moses, Caleb says, the Lord has kept me alive. He had seen all the fatality. He had seen all the plagues. He had seen all the rebellion of those people. Out of 6,600,000 men that came out of Egypt, only two of them survived it. Just one Caleb. He had seen them day after day falling into the wilderness. 600,000 men, one by one, they died in the wilderness. He heard the rebellion. He, he had seen all the rebellion. He had seen all the plagues. But he survived it. What made him survive it? I would like to say, Mr. Caleb, paki, paki share down si secretus in vitamins. Dili vitamina. The Lord has kept me alive. Amen. Why did God keep him alive? Because one day, God has made a promise to him. God rescued him. God kept him alive in line of his purpose. So, see yourself doing his purpose. How will I survive this coronavirus today? God has a purpose. Put yourself in God's purpose. I say the most dangerous 
stage in the life of a child of God is when you step out of God's will and purpose. So long as nagasubay ka, you're committed, just follow God. Follow God! And God will reveal Himself to you. Step out of God's way. Step out of God's plan. And it will be the most dangerous thing, the most dangerous stage of your life when you decide to live outside of God's plan. When a child of God lives in a box-ridden life, abinin mo, dagahang mga kristuhanon, abinin lang sayon-sayon na mabakslide ka, you have put your life in the most dangerous case. Because anything can happen. The children of Israel live in a box-ridden life, hangtod nga sila tanan ng ahurot. But Caleb was preserved because he kept on the right lane. He kept on living and following on the right lane. When a child of God begins to live like the people of the world, act like, speak like, live like, enjoy the places they enjoy, clothes, wear the clothes they wear, Baxleden state is the most dangerous state of your Christian life. People said, well, I can live like, I can act like the people of the world. God has a purpose for you. Live for God. I would, I, would, I would look at the second part of the verse. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and reserve the unjust for judgment. I can look at three thoughts in the Bible. Usually, ang deliverance, you know, God's deliverance usually results in the judgment of God's enemies. God delivered Israel out of the Red Sea, out of Pharaoh, but on the other hand, it drowned Pharaoh's soldiers. God delivered Daniel from the, from the den of lions, but those who accused him were thrown into the same place. Herod killed James or John or James. He imprisoned Peter because the church prayed in Acts chapter 12. God sent an angel and took Peter out. He delivered Peter out. But you know what happened to Mr. Herod? While nagatindog siya, gikaon siya gulod. And Giuseppe says, after three days, tingala ka man yung mga ulod ng gawas, gikaon na siya nga buhay, giulod na siya while he was making an oration speech. Because he did not give God the glory. Usually, God's deliverance will result into the judgment of those who are against God. I close with this this morning. Remember this. God can meet us according to the level. He will reward us accordingly. He will give us the strength. He will give us the wisdom. He will give us the assurance. He will directly reveal himself to us. And the Lord is able to create circumstances in our favor. 
Remember that. Be true to God. The most important thing is God knows about you. If you're not saved, you need to be saved. God loves you. He sent His Son to die on the cross that you might be saved. If you had never received Christ, how many of us here, you are not sure if death comes to you tomorrow or tonight or the next day that you will directly go to heaven if you are not sure. Would you like to receive Jesus Christ and be saved? As you all stand, please, our heads. How many of you would say, Pastor Ingai, I would like to be saved. Magatindog katanan. Those who wish to be saved, receive Jesus Christ. Please understand this prayer. Follow this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know you are the Son of God. You died for my sins. I accept the fact that I am a great sinner before you. I receive you now. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And by faith, I receive you. Father, thank you for your love. I receive your Son, Jesus Christ. Save my soul. Amen and amen. Sir Greg will give the invitation. If you need to make a decision for God, do it. We have decision cards all over the place. Sir Greg, please.